guys. It's Alana. And Jacqueline. And we're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. It's a good episode today. Yes, it is. But I'm actually going to start out with a story of mine. Ooh, I love for story you time. And Tell for me. For all the listeners out there. So, growing up Asian in America. I would know nothing about that. Which you do not. I know nothing. You know the growing up in America part, but not the Asian part. Correct. Well, that's the biggest yes, part. It is. Uh, we all remember, you know, being in grade school, mm. public school, private school, whatever Charter that school. is, you know, yes. <laughs> um, where you're. It's time for lunch and, you know, everyone's hungry or excited or, you know, it's it's a moment to play and be with all your friends. I don't remember, I don't know about you, but in my school, we had um, tables designated by class. So you had to sit with your class. Oh, yeah. I well, I think it was designated by grade. Is that what you mean? Yeah, great. Yeah, so yeah, I guess grade in class. Like all the fourth graders would, we wouldn't all sit. To, we would sit by class. I feel like. Oh, see, our classes were small, so it was by grade, but not by class. Oh, I see. But I'm gonna go with you and say yes. I right. remember those days. So I grew up in a still a predominantly Asian community, but I remember my mom would. Well, I've said this many times on the show, but my mom is a chef and she mm-hmm. cooks and she's amazing at what she does. So I, uh, my mom would always pack me lunch, always. Like, I didn't Lucky. get to buy food ever, and which is ironic because I always wanted to get to buy some hot lunch, which was very rare. And when it did happen, I realized, okay, not so good. Um, but, you know, my mom cooks very well and she would pack food and, you know, you save money and all this stuff. And she's a single mom raising two kids and food is her passion. So I got lunch packed every single day. Um, little did I know that... Uh, this was new to me. I had never growing up until I actually had realized, um, you know, sitting with friends that I'd, I had opened my lunchbox. And my mom had packed me. She had made these like sushi rolls. Um, oh, sushi in grade school. Yeah. With like oh. egg and burdock and spinach. Is, and... Was this when you were going to school in the OC? No, this was in Arcadia. Which is so fascinating to me that I still was so essentially the the moment is like boom back right into fourth grade. I remember opening my box and there were still a lot of Asians there, but for whatever reason, either they didn't back me up, right? On like, hey, this is fine, this is normal, this is we eat this. Instead, I don't I don't and this is my perception, you know, growing up of whatever I went through. I just remember opening up and then either some white kid or some ex-kid was like, ew, what's that? Oh, no. That stinks. And I was like, oh, it's my mom made me like like a sushi roll for lunch. And they started laughing. Because they weren't familiar. Right. And because it smelled bad, whatever the whatever that even means. It's fish. So it probably smelled like fish. Right. Which to a kid brain, it's like it smells bad. Exactly. And I don't remember at that time any other Asian kid being like, no, it's fine. Or I eat this too. Or my mom, like none of that, right? No one it, came to your aid. No one came to It was just like an overall sensation of feeling extremely embarrassed and extremely vulnerable and extremely wrong. Right. That I had this food. And then I didn't know what to do. It was like a public shaming kind of feeling. It it really was. So I just sat there and I was like, do I eat this? Mm -hmm. Do I not eat that? Do I go along and like 
play along and be like, yeah, like, it does suck. Like, fuck, fuck this food or whatever. Yeah. Or do you um, stand up for your food? Yeah. You, huh. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I was just, I was just so traumatized. Well, let's talk through it, shall we? Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> truth be told, yeah, let's do it. It's, it's a podcast, and yellow, right? the therapy podcast. <laughs> well, I think the moment that we're talking about, it's called the lunchbox moment. There is a phrase for it. And I think it's really common among Asian American cultures, Jewish, also, Italian, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Any any child, any any child of color with a Culture. strong ethnic background yes. and who eats cultural cuisine has probably had this moment. This moment. Right. Whether it's if you're Greek or, you know, anything. anything, yeah. And essentially the lunchbox moment is that moment where you open up your lunchbox and you realize that your lunch is different than every other kid's lunch. And it's, by, not the, it's not the, the American white standard right, of lunches. Right, right. And by different, I mean like bad and wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> like for whatever reason. For, as a child, that's however you inherently... Um, feel or uh, process those emotions. Definitely. Right. It could be that it looks different, it smells different, it maybe uh, you eat it in a particular way. Yeah. Like, who knows? Right, right, but right. that moment is called the lunchbox moment and that is what we're talking about today. Right. So I haven't ever had that sort of a lunchbox moment uh-huh. in the sense that I've opened up my lunchbox, I have seen something jarring, I have been shamed for it, I've closed it, but it wasn't necessarily cultural food. It was just food for you. It was just a very jarring food in my lunchbox. So oh. my school had hot lunch. Uh-huh. And my parents have very busy careers. So right. I was a hot lunch kind of kid. You are hot lunch. I am hot <laughs> lunch. <laughs> um, but every now and again, my mom, if she like really made a killer dinner the night before and she was feeling herself, uh-huh. she would pack it for lunch <laughs> the next day. And like, God bless Maggie yeah. for doing that kind of thing. And right. so one day, I think I was in the fourth grade fifth grade she had made octopus for dinner the night before and so uh-huh. she put octopus i think it was octopus salad or octopus uh-huh. over like noodles okay in my and was lunch this, she had never packed octopus before no okay so this was a, a new thing this was a new and okay. it was delicious uh-huh. but like in my kid brain i had relegated octopus to a dinner time delicacy like definitely not something that you would put in a kid's lunchbox and i remember I see. opening up my lunchbox me being shocked, my classmates being shocked, and being like, what is that? Why does it smell and look like that? And I closed it because I myself was like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> like, it's it's octopus, but like, I, I'm a hot lunch kid. Like, yeah. I don't know how to respond to this. And so, so, did you, do you remember, like, I tossed it and then went home and screamed at my mom, like, never pack that oh for me again. Oh, my I God. I was hungry. I was starving. You're so spoiled. you put octopus in my lunchbox. How could you? The kids all made fun of me. And my mom was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm so- I just, I just wow. packed your lunch and, like, that it was is, good. I thought it would still be good. Like, we won't be go amazing. there Amazing. But, I mean, it wasn't a cultural food. Right, 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 right. It was just a, I mean, octopus is has a jarring sort of look. Oh, if you don't yeah. Know what Everything you're about octopus for. can really be can really turn a lot of people off. The for texture, sure. the way it looks, the flavor, everything. Right. But I can also put myself on your your classmate side of your story because I think kids can be cruel and kids oh, can be yeah. assholes and no kid is born woke. And especially right. when you're talking about cultural food. Right. A lot of the familiarity with it boils down to how exposed your parents mm-hmm, essentially mm-hmm. allow you to be with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, definitely. And up until that point, I think my parents, we were like fast food, Chinese takeout kind of 
a family. Okay. Like, we weren't really familiar with specialized, what I would consider, like, special Asian cuisine. Sure. Because my parents don't like sushi, so I was never yeah. really exposed to it. Right. My parents aren't a fan of Thai for the flavor, so I never really ate it. Uh, like, I never had Korean food. Like, I... For right. me, it was very, like, standard Chinese takeout, lo mein or chow right. mein, fried rice. fried rice, egg rolls, done. Mm. So I do put myself in the perspective of your classmates in the sense mm. that, like, I was probably one of those asshole kids who might have had, had that no reaction yeah. to, a, to a fellow Asian student's right. lunch because I had never been exposed to it and yeah. I had no idea. Right, right, right. And for that, like, I look back in horror, but I think... In those moments, I think that parents could do a lot to maybe... Yeah, definitely. Incorporate some, like, cultural yeah. aspects... Right. To, ...to maybe their own home kitchen so that uh-huh. when their kids go to school, yeah. they're not so shocked. Yeah, I think... I'm, I'm not saying this is all the parents' fault. No. Right? I'm just saying that there are a lot of things that if you... if Like, like on, on your end, if you aren't... If you don't have much of a food culture, mm-hmm. slash a culture that is, like, really specific on exotic, maybe, types of food as right. compared to other other cultures, then there is something about, I think, exposing or at least... Because I think as an adult or once you become a parent, you forget what it's like to be a child at those times. It's true. You completely... You're grown up. You've been, you've been adulting for plus 30 years right. or whenever you decided to have a child. And you sort of forget what it is like to be a child during those times with other kids because... As a as an adult right now, mm-hmm. I am more than okay with maybe like going somewhere and taking my food and just regardless like regardless of what that food is. Yeah, now, right? Right. But let's say I have a child now, which we all know I wanted to have a baby yesterday. Right. Um, I think I said this in every episode. I should start saying it <laughs> every in every episode. episode. <laughs> I said it in our crazy rotation episode. <laughs> um I think thinking now, like I prob that wouldn't be something on my mind. Okay, then I have a devil's advocate question for you. Okay. Because in research for this show, I read two different, two very different uh, perspectives. Okay. I had the, you had the Asian Americans who had the lunchbox moment. Most time. Asian Americans have. Most Over do. and over and over again. Like, we that's just one like, story I have. Let's throw in Indian Americans. Oh, absolutely. And, like, because what Indian food looks like, how it smells, it's also foreign, but in a different way. Right. I also came across Asian Americans whose parents spared them from that. And Ooh. didn't want them to have the lunchbox right. moment. And didn't want them to yeah. incur that kind of public mm. shaming, how embarrassment nice of feeling. How I do roll you my feel- eyes as I say nice. Well, exactly. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is the lunchbox moment a rite of passage for all Asian American yes. kids? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 and yes. Because I think, not that it's a rite of passage, like, if you don't have it, you're like forget you you know you're not you can't sit with us no I get (laughs) you um but I think like for this generation at least my generation let's say late 80s early 90 babies Mm -hmm. um because you still had a lot of areas at least where I grew up where it was still being white was like cool or being white was like the standard the standard right and now and and think about back then the food industry like we had no Anthony Bourdain back then we had no foodie scene we had no fusion oh, we wow. had no I never thought about you know, that we had, element yeah of we it. had no like uh six two six night market we had no like none of these fairs none of this whole food revolution that has now become a thing Got for it. maybe white families to go and do and see and experience and expose their children to we had none of that yeah right so that alongside with what's happening in the food culture. 
that can be a positive impact to kids going through school now. Because you're saying that kids are getting exposed earlier via this programming or via the culture that we're in now where, like, foodie culture is very much a thing. Yeah, like, now I'm sure if we were an interview and or ask or just, like, ask people what their favorite food and non-Asians specifically, mm-hmm. a lot of white people would say or a lot of Hispanics would, would say Asian or something of other than their own race. Right. 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 Which is something that I don't think was as... Uh, as as um, prevalent or whatever as 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 it is now back then. But I guess then one could argue that to ask an adult, like if you asked me now what my favorite food is, uh-huh. Indian food would be very high on that list. Right. That being said, child Alana wouldn't have said that because child Alana yeah, your wasn't. Palate. Yeah, like yeah. the palate wasn't developed. What about your parents then, though? Uh, my father loves Indian food, but okay. the spice could be too much for him. I don't, I though, remember eating a lot of Indian That's food so interesting. growing up. Yeah. So, like, that perspective, I think that you're speaking of, is it only develops as you get older. older. But when you're younger and a kid... Maybe, huh? It's not really there. Because, like, let's think about really why this moment is problematic. Because some person could say, who cares? It's just food. Like, get over it. No big deal. Yeah. But for your culture, as well as for my culture, food is love. Food Mm -hmm. is bonding. Mm -hmm. Food Mm -hmm. is culture. Mm -hmm. It's so much heritage. Yeah. And even perhaps maybe this... It's history. It's history. Yeah. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like... Asian Americans aren't necessarily verbal with how they feel, and sometimes black Americans can be the exact same way. Right. <coughs> oh, my God. Excuse me. That sounded awful. Um, <laughs> uh, we might not, for our cultures that might not verbally express how we feel all the time, food is like showing love. So when someone... Uh, yeah, you're on the dot on that one. For sure. So when someone is making fun of your culture, your heritage, your food, it's like someone's taking an attack out on you personally. Yes. I was very conflicted because that is what it, it's that. It's like, here's my mom making things from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then I never did this because I felt too, I would I would have fall, felt, Jesus, grammar. Okay. Um, I would have felt way too guilty. Um, but I remember seeing kids throw away their school lunches and then just buying food. Mm. And I wouldn't, but, but don't get, I thought about it. Yeah. I definitely thought about it's it. It's tempting. And when I did think about it, I just, I thought like what a betrayal that would be for my mom because she put so much love and effort into this. Got and I, alongside the Asian culture of like saving money and doing the right thing and being like dutiful, like I thought I was wasting my mom's money mm-hmm. and then I was denying her love and wow. that made me a horrible daughter. That's a really deep thought. I know. I, that's a, that, That's what I went through. Wow, I was but, just a dramatic shit when I told my mom about my octopus and I know, the lunch and, but that's culture. That's exa- like that is what you just talked about. Like no, that yeah, is definitely. The, that's the culture struggles of 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 then what? Because then, but then I obviously know that I don't want to be eating this this food in front of my my white friends, or I don't have the courage to anymore. Right. Right. So then, what do you like? I I just what do you do? Right. No. Totally. And I think on a deeper level, this moment sparks an inner conflict the conflict of your cultural identity versus your social identity Mm -hmm. because when you're a kid all you want to do is fit in yeah and you just want to play yeah yeah and to let something 
for something to stick out as much as food, right? The the, the human thing that everyone has to eat, so, and something you've never questioned or wondered, and and of, of it standing out, right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> because when you go home in your respective home with your family, it is normal. Yeah. You're hungry, you eat. For sure. And you eat the food that your family has been eating for years. Yeah. But then to go home, and but then to go to school and your food all of a sudden is completely different and it smells different. It also raises your awareness of, it also makes you like, look at that food in a different way. Yeah. Like, I bet you never thought about the way that sushi smelled no. until that moment. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're forced to smell it through a different nose, mm-hmm. so to speak, because... Mm-hmm. Someone thinks it stinks and someone thinks it looks weird. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. There is so many other behavioral and, like you said, social and cultural, um, I wouldn't say issues, but 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 sort of moments you can identify yeah. that as a child it feels like is magnified. Right. And actually can start to lay the ground for a lot of things that you experience of not feeling comfortable in your own skin. Right. Not feeling good enough. Not feeling pretty enough. Like right. Like it just adds to all Not of wanting that. to be black. Not wanting to be Asian. Mm-hmm. Regard, like Or Indian. Depending on what cultural identity. So much. Right. Yeah. And, and then it makes me wonder like if you weren't either... I'm not necessarily brave or like aware enough to re- like I recognize these things now in my past mm-hmm. of course in that moment I didn't know what I was thinking or doing or feeling right I just yeah. felt bad or wrong or just I felt bad pretty For much sure. but looking back now I can say after embracing my culture and loving my culture and really really like taking it on I can look back in my past and see those moments of when I didn't want to be Asian and how that but but on the opposite end of that there maybe are some Asians now that you look at like that are like oh yeah I don't speak Chinese or like oh yeah I don't give a shit about being Chinese and you're like where did that start Huh. Do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't like it was yeah. taught. It's like your Asian parents didn't teach you to not be Chinese. Right. right? This like, is learned behavior. Yeah, from, oh, su- from somewhere. And then it never got either addressed or they were surrounded by f- the same kind of people. And they just kind of lived into their late 30s. And then they got married and then they had kids. And then you're like, but you're Chinese. Like, I have a huge sense of like being Chinese it's like really prideful for me right I I love the culture it's very much your identity it is my yeah and so that's just another like that's just like that popped off my head because no but I think that that's completely valid and I had never actually thought about that and again I think because as an African-American girl my lunchbox moment it doesn't necessarily shake me to my cultural foundation Mm. whereas yours does it does it definitely does and it lays the groundwork for how you will decide to present yourself to the world you meaning any Asian American Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life yeah which hmm, is so I never thought because about that. then as you're doing like as you said you were doing some research then what what can the parents do in those moments or before school or during that age to really sort of shape that moment into not really being a big deal and 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 it not really being about like what's wrong with them right but that this is just how the world is and things are going to happen but mm-hmm. you can't let it shake you down you can't let it make you not want to be you know your culture your identity or and and that's fine if someone doesn't feel very asian in general but like to like think that it's wrong or bad right that's my thing it's like if it comes from a place that it's like wrong and bad or right. a, a place that from trauma and like not feeling good. I see what th- you're that's saying. That's problematic for me. Right. And I think, and I'm going to just, 
I'm going to like spotlight something that you just said. Someone who says they don't feel Asian, like Asian. Like, well, that to me is a really weird statement. Because that's like someone saying like, well, I'm black, but I don't feel black. It's like, well, <laughs> but you are. So right. <laughs> uh, well, that's what you are. So like, yeah. let's not deny or negate that. Yeah. Because while you might not feel, insert ethnic background here, if that is what you are, the world sees you as that. Yes, exactly. For sure. In in a world right now, especially in America, that's still seeing race and color yeah. and cannot just see human. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So then that becomes an issue. Colorblindness does not exist. That, no. that That's actually an episode. People yeah. that say that they are colorblind. Not like actually colorblind. <laughs> I was just that. But like, I don't like, see color. <laughs> I don't see race. It's like, no, that's a problematic <laughs> statement. Let me tell you why. Right, right. Not to Wait, go. I'm sorry. Do you run into people like this a lot? The, I do, actually. You do? That say they're colorblind? Uh, well, yes. My best friend is actually legitimately colorblind. Like, he can't see Oh, colors. I know. But then I do. I get that. I, I tend to experience it more with the progressive white female crowd the most. And I'm I think so- it's innocent. I think it's innocent. I don't think uh. that they... I don't think they mean this problematic statement in the way that a minority would receive it. I think what they're trying to say is... I don't allow the color of someone else's skin or their obvious racial difference to mine stop uh, stop me from affect the way that I interact with them. Sure, I think okay. that's what they're saying. I However, I think that in our day and age, it is a statement that people make to perhaps set themselves apart from other racist white people. Mm. I think it's also a statement that if it were worded better wouldn't be so problematic. Like, to see I don't see color is sort of a flippant statement. Right. That is definitely made without thinking. Even if the sentiment or the subtext there... Yeah, like the intention, they have good intention. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I'm... Yeah, like, you just saying that right now, uh, you saw my eyes get really big. I I have... (laughs) I'm... I have never... I don't... Now now I'm, like, thinking of all my interactions I've had with everyone. (laughs) But, um, that's a lot of people. Um... I don't think I've ever met anyone that has said that to me. And then I'm wondering if they did or when they did, like, what would my reaction be? Because that is, a, a f- and especially for white, just saying. I always utilize that moment as a teaching moment. You are so wise. Well, because you don't know what you don't know and you yeah. can't help what you just said. Like, once the bell is rung, yeah. you can't unring it. Right, and you're not going to, like... Well, similarly, I F don't you. think, yeah, Get like, out of my I don't face. think, like, F you, if you don't see someone's color, if you don't see someone's race, <laughs> that means that you're totally not seeing who they are and their history <laughs> and what they may or may not have been through. Like, that doesn't work. No. People don't receive messages that. might have like the opposite that. effect. <laughs> right. Like, we're sitting here... Like, we're sitting here doing this podcast right. right now. Yeah. Like, people receive messages when they're a little easier to digest. Yeah, open. Not aggressive. Yeah. Not aggressive. Yeah. Sugar goes further than salt. So yeah. I think I use those moments as teaching moments more than Where's anything. that phrase from, sugar goes further than salt? I've never heard of that. My an aunt of mine, I think, says it. I want to say it's Southern, and she means like sugar, not. like sweetness, like love, like care. Yeah. Oh, I like that saying. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's just a good. Yeah. Like don't be salty. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> right. Steering no us one back, likes, though. No one likes a salty person. No one likes a salty person. <laughs> um, steering us back to the lunchbox moment conversation, though. I think also what this moment does is it makes kids of color question what is normal. Yeah. And I think that that for me, is the feeling that I zero in on because I think that even something as innocuous as, like, what what is, what's the right lunch to pack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. says a lot about 
our society. Mm -hmm. Like the lunchbox standard, quote unquote, is like a sandwich, like peanut butter and jelly, bologna, turkey, ham, an apple, a juice box, uh, maybe a fruit roll up or maybe chips, a cookie. Oh, I have another story for you. This just popped into my head. Sure. This is like a famous story that my family members love to say at family gatherings over and over again. So wait, hold on. Do we know where we stopped? Okay, go ahead. So my mom was really strict on snacks. Like we never had snacks. Like it was snacks. You've said this before. <laughs> my mom, my snacks was never like gummy bear or um like uh not gummy like gummy snacks or yeah like fruit roll ups or um granola it, snacks was like an apple. It was like you know like healthy snacks. It was Got like it. broccoli with like salt and olive oil, like green beans with like salt and all like. A very, very healthy, which I'm super grateful for because wow. it's actually enabled me to become really healthy now as an adult. We would have never been friends as kids. No, we would Because I definitely was, I like the kids whose parents brought them good snacks. <laughs> Pretzels. You would have been, so Ooh. let me go on. because So I wanted fruit roll-ups really bad because everyone had fruit roll-ups back then, remember? So um, I started threatening kids. I would tell my classmates, I would say, hey, if you don't give me your fruit roll-up, I can just imagine my my brother listening to this and cracking up. Um, If you don't give me your ferrola, you're not my friend. And I would do this. I know. I know. Back then. Can you imagine? Like, small me doing this. And people, Alana, people, kids, gave me their ferrola's. Because they valued your friendship. Yes. Because you're a down-ass bitch. Yes. And I didn't give a shit. I knew, like, I didn't give a shit. I just wanted ferrola's. So then... Got it. I end up in the hot. I ended the hospital. Jesus, I because I ate too many. I end up in the principal's office because you were threatening kids. Because I was threatening kids, and someone. Oh, one of the kids went home and told their mom. Of course, that I was threatening. Her. Of course, there's always a tattletale in the bunch. We're talking about kids, <laughs> and my mom was so embarrassed. She got called to go to the principal's office, and the whole story. Was, so like, like. That was also another moment of just, like, not getting what I want and, then like, utilize, you know, like, because I wasn't getting. The, yeah. And back then, fruit robes were normal. Of course. And so I really wanted whatever was normal. Right. And it's amazing. I actually, like, people wanted to give it to me. Like, that's crazy. Things you do as kids. Yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're just trying to be normal. You're just yeah. trying to fit in. Right. Right, right, right. And, like, with these moments, I think more than anything, like, the lunchbox moment to me kind of illustrates that something as as simple as a lunchbox and what's in it, there's still a white standard. Right, and they can stand for so much. Okay, one last right. story because this was very – I can tell you this. I can relieve this moment by moment, but it actually didn't happen to me. I witnessed it in class. Ooh, okay. So I, was oh. in, I was in fifth grade. Uh-huh. Um, I had a teacher named Miss Sweeney. Mm-hmm. The room started smelling kind of, not bad, but like food, like garlicky and stuff like that. Okay. My teacher, who was a mother, and she was probably in her late 40s, okay. started making this face. And she was really like kind of a bee. Like she wasn't the nicest teacher. Got it. She really liked me, though. I was teacher's pet for sure. Of course. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so um, she was like, what's the smell? Right? And she starts making a really big deal out of it. She walks by all of the backpacks and the lunchboxes hanging on hooks in the room. She finds the, the lunchbox that is stinky, mm. picks it up in the air in front of the entire class, in the middle of, like, a lesson. Oh, I know what's coming And next. goes, whose is this? And it was this one boy 
who was always getting in trouble already. I can't mm. even imagine what he like went through as an adult. Anyways, mm. he was always getting in trouble and always getting made fun of. He said, it's mine. And she said, what's in there? She made him open his lunchbox in front of the entire class. Oh, no. And she said, what are those? And he said, oh, those, they're dumplings. And she went, they stink. I bet they had leeks in them. Probably. I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, or there's like this other vegetable. It's called like jiu tai in Chinese, but I, I don't know. It's kind of like a form of a leek. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like a smaller leek, I guess. Anyways, yeah, that's it's like it's like a very pungent smell. Smell. Right. Even I would be like, whoa, but like I like it, but like it's right. still pungent, right? Right. Uh, she made him in front of the entire class. I can't stress this enough. She said, "That is so stinky. You're stinking at my entire classroom." Take it outside and leave it outside. I don't want it in here. So this little boy zips up his little lunchbox. <sighs> he walks outside. He puts it outside. And he comes back in and he sits back down. And she just, like, moves on. She, like, laughed at one point. I remember it. And I just remember being, like, I'm traumatized seeing this. Yeah. And it's not even happening to me. Right. And as a teacher, you should be the one to set the example. Yeah. And inclusion should always be an example yeah. that educators set. Because right. educators spend so much time with our children. I know. Like, that really pains me. It does. So I think about, like, all the qualities of teachers, you know, and all Definitely. this stuff. Like, it, it really can affect your child. Can I ask what race this teacher was? She was white. <sighs> She was blonde, blue-eyed, mm. and drove a big-ass truck. And was also, whether she realized it or not, saying, like, the, the ideal standard of lunches is the white standard. Yeah, Whether she realizes it or not. Or because you're Asian or because you, you right. have this, like, you are not normal. Right. You stink. Right. Get out. Right. And, right? Those, mo- and those sorts of moments will rattle any kid of color's confidence. Yeah, and it, it rattled there, me. And sure. I wasn't even, it wasn't even happening to me. But just seeing it all made me made me see, like, A, how an adult who should be taking care of us can actually be extremely cruel. For sure. That was, like, really eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. Not that it was, like... A shock. Yeah, exactly. But, and then realizing, like, this kid was helpless. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stand up for himself. He couldn't do it. No one could say anything, right? Because it's the teacher. Right, um, versus the student, for sure. Uh, There's just so many lessons involved in that and, and moment-to-moment feelings that I, looking back now, I can, like, it, it, like, it feels like I'm right there. Like, no time has passed. That makes me really sad. I know. And, like, that kid's cultural identity evolution, I bet, took a big hit in that moment Mm -hmm. without him ever really realizing it. Yeah, right. I'm sure it was very, uh, like, unconsciously sort of ingrained in his decisions and what he thought about food and culture and himself and and schooling in general. You know, there's all kinds of people who are like, F school, you know, school sucks, like, all this stuff. So definitely. You know, it's just, it's such, I guess, I never even thought about it when you proposed this topic, that it's such a pivotal moment in a child's life. Oh, definitely. That if you're not conscious and if you don't have the right parenting or the right environment, can change for not forever, maybe forever, but, you know, can really affect you. Well, yeah, because the food's never going to change. Like, no. at the end of the day. A dumpling will be a dumpling. A dumpling will be a dumpling. It will be made with or without leeks. Yes. Or Asian food will be Asian food yeah. made with or without stinky ingredients. Yeah. Indian food will be Indian food with or without strong smelling ingredients, be it curry or whatever. Like the food doesn't change, but the way that we react to these cultural differences does change. Mm -hmm. And it generally changes with perspective, with age and with with living through experiences. All of that. But when you're kids and you're just trying to survive the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't even really 
We like, carry these moments with us. Mm-hmm, we really do. So how can we better equip a generation oh, to not have these awkward lunchbox moments? Well, because but, I think the truth of the matter is the lunchbox moment is going to continue to happen. It, it will, for How sure. we respond. Yeah. And how we prepare our kids. And what we do in our own individual homes yeah. will change the outcome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of tough to say because, I mean, like, actually, you we're not mothers, right? But we we're do, not I mothers. Mean, you have, like, I know, really younger um, cousins, cousins mm-hmm. which you could definitely be an influence there. But, I mean, if I, when I have kids, it would definitely be exposure and communication of, because my mom never had a lunch, my mom maybe had a lunchbox moment, but she never had a lunchbox moment in America. Ah, okay. She had a lunch, that's interesting. She had a lunchbox moment in Brazil, maybe. I actually right. never asked her, but, hmm. but. You know, those moments of feeling really wrong and, and you know, uh, questioning, you know, your society and your culture, all this stuff. But my mom never said, hey, we're in America. Someone might see this. Not that it, this is her fault. But, right. you know, she never had the open communication of, like, someone might not appreciate this. Someone might not like it. But just right. know so on and so forth. Like, I would actually, if my kid was going to public school and in America, I would have these talks with them. Especially because it's what I went through. Yeah, it's interesting. And Being- I would empower them. For sure. Right. But at the same time, it, I love that answer because it's so dead on. But I hear that answer and I think, how come being a minority kid in America... You have to go through that? Well, how come it comes with like a set of rules? Because it's the same way in the black culture as well. Like, black parents let their kids know about the world and about how the world will treat them from a very young yeah. age. And like... I mean, until we all rule the, the world, don'ts. I don't know, because, you know, we are going to rule the world, but it's I just, don't know. <laughs> there's no, like, real answer for why we have to equip our kids with with do this, don't do that. Yeah. Know this is going to happen. Know that this is how to react to it. It's just a thing that I, I notice mm. a lot with. Especially with minorities. Yeah. And it, it, it's not a white thing. Like, white kids are not told, okay, honey, you're white and you have a lot of privilege, but when you go to school, you need to be inclusive of all children. <laughs> you need to not ask black people about their hair. Right. Don't say that Asian kids' food stinks. Don't pull your eyes to the side right. to make them like, smaller. I don't think that white parents are briefing their white children no, the way definitely. that minority parents are briefing their children. Right. And that's yeah. just an observation outside of this lunchbox moment yeah, discussion. You know, this is, it's a great observation. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Yeah. But, but hey... Just a little minority child rearing musing. <laughs> That's all. Um, oh, darling. <laughs> I mean, one thing that I think parents can do is I think there's actually two things parents can do. I think that we are very lucky to live in Los Angeles, California, which is a bustling yeah, yeah exposure metropolis with yeah. lots of different cultures. And, yeah, immigrants, ethnicity, race, right. food, if, if anything, here. Right. And like yeah. you live in Arcadia, heavily yeah. Asian. Right. I live in Highland Park, heavily Hispanic. Yeah. So we are both surrounded by a lot of different cultures and ethnicities. If you are someone listening and you live in a bustling metropolis, make sure that your kids are exposed to different kinds of cuisine, yeah. different styles of eating, ways right. of eating, where this food comes from from yeah. a really early age. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when I was doing research for this show, I, I thought about my younger cousin, Carlin, who oh, you did. I do a cousin date with once a month. Yeah. And I've thought about how to introduce different kinds of cultural cuisines to her. That's good. And I'm I think glad. when it comes to Asian food, I think that we're going to start with some pho. Mm. 
I, she's done the, the Chinese thing. She's done the like orange chicken and, and yeah. lo mein and that kind of thing. But I want to like, I want her to have a different experience yeah. with food. And right. I think pho is going to be our first. Good. First thing. It's a noodle okay. soup. I think it's right up her alley. She's yeah. old enough. She needs someone. How old is she? A fresh seven. Oh, a fresh seven. So old enough to start using chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. Like, old enough to like, her palate is a little bit more formed. Yeah. She could be a little bit more decisive about what she wants. An immersive cultural food yeah, experience is right. what I'm after. But I right. think if you don't live in a bustling metropolis. cultural metop- metropolis, uh, cook ethnic food with your kids mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, and and I guess let it be, and like, like you said, you have that awareness where you didn't grow up with a lot of um, diversity too much, and a specific, like you grew up with Chinese, but you said it's just like you know the basics, right? Very basic. There is no like that just barely scratches the surface right. of what Chinese food can possibly be. Totally. Um, so I think as parents, if you know you weren't very exposed to some different foods, then experience that and take that journey on with your child. Right. Like you, exactly. your child can only benefit. What a great bonding you know? experience. Yeah. Learning and, together. Right. Together. And you never know what it could spark. They might travel abroad and live in Asia for like five years. And right. Be, you know what I mean? There's just so much that food can really offer people. Totally. That I think now is becoming more of a thing of like the fusion and the foodies and Instagram. Like for all sure. this stuff that is actually exposing, which I think is great. So then it's 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 like just might as well. Why not? Now that you have easier access. Right. To even go and discover and do your research and see if it's authentic and see where it's coming from and see the owner, you know, all this stuff. For sure. It's so available now. Definitely. Whereas back then, not not as much. No. no. The internet has changed the game. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. I think also when it comes down to packing lunches, I contacted a friend who does pack lunches for her young daughter. And one thing that she said she did was to was being conscious of adding one cultural snack or some sort of dish to her daughter's lunch. So as opposed to a cookie, she might pack Pocky. Yeah. Which are like the chocolate wafers dipped in chocolate or green tea or strawberry. Or she'll do a mini pan dulce. Yeah. or she'll or do... Or the whole... This was crazy for me, too. I used to take those, you know, that Korean seaweed, the dried seaweed. Yeah, yeah. I used to take that because my mom was so freakishly healthy. Okay. And I mean freakishly in a good way, but right now, but back then, it was right. like, I just want for olives. Um, she would make me, or I, I started, because it was the only snack I could take, I started taking those Korean dried up seaweed in... in in fifth grade. And yeah, kids no. are take, like, do you know what I mean? Like, That's that is legit. Just, yeah, that, like, just shows how they, not that, like, they're behind, but, like, the wave has finally gotten to, like. It's caught up. It's caught up. Yeah. Which is fine. I just was in the wrong era. Right, <laughs> Or, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, right. that was, that was my, like, I saw that for the first time when I was in college. I had, like, white friends buying it from Trader Joe's. And I was like, um. Oh, yeah. First of all, you know you could buy that at the Korean store for, like, half the price and double the amount. And, like, I just started, like, I just started realizing like wow they are really 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 behind because there is no food culture in america yeah not like not like culture like history like thousands of years of history yeah right like chinese and japanese there isn't that it's 200 years of bread which is well there's black american food culture and i I mean in that sense there's, there's hispanic american food culture but i see what you're saying like the food culture in america isn't very rich well, and that's also the food culture off the backs of other cultures. Yes. It's black culture. It's Hispanic culture. It's yeah. Asian culture. It's Indian American. But it's not American. Like, what is American yeah. food? Right. And Anthony Bourdain has a lot to say about this. I'm, I'm sure, sure, like, Eddie Huang had a lot to say about this or has. Like, there's just, you just, like, real. And me, maybe because I 
you know, have this such, and coming from my mom, I have such a rich background and I diverse exposure to so many kinds of foods that that's like one of the first thing I noticed, which, which then causes these lunchbox moments, like you said, you know? Right. Totally. I also think it's never too early to start teaching tolerance Yes. to children. I mean, like, like straight up, like yeah. I get that kids are going to be assholes because young kids can be assholes. Yeah. But I think we can always teach tolerance. It's never too early. Never, ever, ever. And kindness and compassion. All of those things. <laughs> and all inclusive and all the stuff that is just, yeah. you know, make you a better person. But maybe, overall. like, you know, teach your kids to say, ew, your food smells like butt or something. Because right. that's just, like, disgusting. Don't, yeah, please don't say, say. yeah. <laughs> right. So anyways, if you... <laughs> Our listener, and you've had a lunchbox. Oh, moment. we'd love to hear your stories. If there is something we have missed <gasps> with with respect to the lunchbox moment, we want to hear from you. Email yes. us uh, blackandyellowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. You can find us on Instagram at blackandyellowpodcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, so yeah. on and so forth. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and. We will see you next time. Yeah, don't forget oh, this episode is produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist. I am Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun if you want to find me individually. And this is Jacqueline Chung Young, and that's the same handle on Instagram as well. Stay woke, one love. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>